1: Or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction.
4: And now, we go into the thick of it.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Erin Addison's.
1: On American Family Radio. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. And our intent is to really have Sherry B put in some work for us today on the show. Um, (laughs) We realized... Yesterday, that um, we didn't get to nearly enough phone calls, but I think what happened yesterday was really good um, to be able to have a conversation where you're just listening and you kind of go back and forth a little bit. And at the end of the conversation, you can both um, agree that you still like each other. That you know what I mean? It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that I unfriend you, you know what I mean? Like, you're not in that. That's just so mature (laughs) to be able to say, you know, I don't exactly see. this the way you see it and Mm -hmm. and I I, and I still want to have a conversation by the way that's what that's why this is uh this is part two we do that a lot um because honestly you know you don't just want to be yelling at people all the time about what they should do I mean sometimes you're like help me help me if I don't understand something tell me what it is that you think I don't understand be ready for me to continue to disagree but tell me what it is that you think I don't understand I can handle it you know um I can handle it. Right. So, uh, I, I was about to—I was about to say—just be prepared that you know I may not agree, and, yeah, and can yeah. you handle it? You know, and that's I can the big question it, of the day. I mean, you it handle.
2: seems like yeah. you know that that can't be handled a lot of times, it, and that's unfortunate. There's a breakdown. Like, oh, I can't believe. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's unfortunate. You know, it and that's—I think that's why it's important for us to keep doing what we're doing. Um, yeah. to keep having the kinds of conversations that we're having. Uh, where even our listeners get to hear, and hopefully that comes through, they get to hear you and I go back and forth on the issues, yeah. um, with a little bit of tension that's necessary when you're trying to make sense of what's happening in the culture and what the church's role is yeah. Um, yeah. in the culture, and and do we have expectations of the church that um, we shouldn't have? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do we do we see the church as a type of institution that we without use of scripture, come to it with these expectations of what the church should be doing.
2: Yeah. That's, that's beyond
1: a, what the word lays out.
2: And that's an interesting thing, especially when we talk about some of the things we talked about yesterday. Uh-huh. And, and uh, I think our brother, uh, I think his name was Michael who uh, called in yeah. and he, and we were asking him like, okay, so what should the church do? And we got to mm-hmm. a point where it was like, you know, well, these laws um, have to be adjusted or changed. But even that in itself, like there can be Christians that do that type of work. But the yeah. church.
1: Yeah. Is it a call for the church?
2: Yeah. See, that's that's a yeah. whole different. Like maybe Christians should be involved in making sure laws are just and making mm-hmm. sure, you know, if, if you are.
1: Which that that then by extension does become the church in a sense. Would you would you agree? Would you say well, that that is that's our representation that we that we so, are the body of Christ? But what I'm saying is. hmm.
2: Is it a mandate for the church to to do that, or does I guess so? I guess it would be the church, but I, I guess I'm meaning like it's almost like the church should be doing this. Is what I'm hearing. I yeah. think there would be individuals that would be in a part of the body of Christ, and I guess it would be the church doing it that would focus on things like that, and that's okay. But that's mm-hmm. not the work of
1: so you're saying the church
2: as far as the gospel is concerned. Okay, like, you know what like I'm saying? I think organized
1: an organized response where. Because, okay, let me just, for our listeners who are listening today and didn't get to listen yesterday the topic of the conversation was a question, do Christians in America have a double standard regarding life and ethnicity? And this is a continuation of our conversation from yesterday, where initially what I wanted to talk about was some LifeWay research (laughs) that was out, which you probably just heard in our news in the top of the hour. Uh, 42% of Americans say churches are too segregated. Mm -hmm. So initially, I was looking at this, and I I, I thought, oh, great. Numbers. I like to look at numbers. And, Mm And I like to have conversations around numbers. And then I like to take those numbers and hold them up against What the scriptures say, Mm -hmm. and then say, okay, so what how do we process these numbers based on what the word of God says? I that I enjoy that. Mm -hmm. I think that's fun, Mm -hmm. right? That's what I wanted to do yesterday. Um, however, once you start reading the article, and I'm just doing this for way um for reason of catch-up, okay. Mm -hmm. Once you start reading this article, as I as I was reading it, you get to the end, and um you're just kind of like, hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting. And then mm-hmm. whap! you get your hand slapped.
2: Right, right. Like
1: right when you get to the end of the article, you get your hand slapped and it stings. And you're like, wait, hold up. <laughs>
2: right. I wasn't
1: even here for that. Like I didn't I didn't see that coming. And the way the article ends is referencing Pastor Matt Chandler of mm-hmm. Village Church mm-hmm. and his call for the church to do something as it pertains to justice. To, and yeah, his, yeah go ahead. just to catch everybody up. <laughs> and so something. his call, like, okay. his call was that we don't just preach the gospel to human trafficking, and we don't just preach the gospel to the issue of life. Mm-hmm. So we should not just preach the gospel as it pertains to justice. We must be doing something, is what Matt Chandler was saying, and this goes back to. This just makes it sound like preaching the gospel is Jew.
2: not doing anything.
1: It, okay, like so what would he have it told Apostle like Paul he's saying the gospel is not enough?
2: What what would he have told Apostle Paul, who everything? that was done out of, you know, the goodness and, and the love of, of Christ was because of the gospel. It was because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think we, we're we trying to take on causes when the primary cause is for the church to be one that preaches the gospel and, and make disciples. If we're mm-hmm. effective in doing that, why wouldn't the culture change? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. some of those things that we're crying about change if we were at the, doing the work of the gospel and making disciples? Why yeah. wouldn't it change? Tell yeah, me. I agree with you. We I have agree with to you. That?
1: The pro- I I don't have an answer. I think that things will change when the gospel is preached. If 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 the gospel is properly preached, it demands a response every single time. It's either it is rejected mm-hmm. or it is received. And if it is received and it is planted securely, in the heart, so to speak of the person who hears it, then it produces a response. There is fruit that is re- produced in keeping with repentance. So then by extension of that, then yeah, the society in so, the culture in which the gospel is preached must change as yeah. the people change.
2: So I'm wondering, the, you know, as in light of, you know, cause he's making a point that we, that's not all we do on the life issue and on other issues. Right.
1: So that's the problem.
2: So, if I'm standing in, in, in my church and I'm preaching about justice, not social justice, not I'm, I'm preaching about partiality.
1: Justice point blank. Partiality justice, point blank.
2: Okay. P- point blank. And I'm preaching gotcha. about that. I wonder what... So what is he saying beyond that? Just like the life issue? Because th- the gospel is being preached concerning the life issue too, you know? Yes, exactly and, But right. he's saying they're, they're marching and stuff like that as well. Okay. Yes. So there is marching and stuff going on. So what is he saying? We need to... To uh, uh, well, join with BLM let... well, and join well. with like Antifa to okay, march for justice so, as the church. Uh,
1: y'all, yeah. this is what it's like when Will gets fired up. So and and like some I'm people just, are like I like I'm it.
2: Tired of the whining, man. Come on. <laughs>
1: this passes. Oh good. boy.
2: Anyway, yeah, well, right.
1: y'all, you asked for it. Here it is. Will unleashed. Man. Um, listen.
2: You're getting I warm think, in here.
1: I know you're like <laughs> you're like ah. um so, so, to your question, what is he calling for? What is he asking for? I I think, in fairness, our listeners should have a stake in deciding what they hear as well. Mm-hmm. I, I I think it's one thing for us to say, "Hey, this is what it sounds like to us," and I think it's one thing even for us to quote um, Pastor Matt Chandler. And again, this is taken from a sermon back in June, but it's in this recent article. That was on the Christian Post, and I'm like, "What? Why? What are, you, what are you? What are you guys doing?" So, so I think it's important for our listeners to hear, and I, I alluded to this yesterday. So we have the clip, and it's a long clip, so we've broken it up into a couple pieces so that you can listen. And here's what you're listening for: you are listening for um, the clear rebuke that comes from Pastor Matt Chandler, and I want you to discern what the actual rebuke is as you listen, right? Um, and then. Listen for what the call to action is. Like, what is Pastor Matt Chandler calling the church to do? And maybe we'll have a conversation in between these two pieces, but at least we will hear him in his own words, and then we'll decide what it is, I guess, collectively, we think that Pastor Chandler's calling the church to do. Clip one. Here we go.
4: And here's where I want to lean in a little bit on where we find ourselves. If you'll study the civil rights movement in the 60s, there's a pattern that emerges. So the predominant leader there is Martin Luther King Jr., which we really like right now because he's dead. Uh, I have to believe that a Martin Luther King Jr. right now, he'd be a liberal Marxist socialist that everybody despises, but we'll quote him now because he's not here to offend us in the now. Uh, this is what uh, uh, Jesus means when when he says that, that you love the prophets that are no longer with us, but you don't like the prophets that are here today, but neither here nor there. In in the 60s, the, the civil rights movement was born out of the church. And so if you, you study Martin Luther King, like there was this pattern, they, they would meet, they would pray, they would worship, they would go over kind of the rules of the protest and and then they would march. And and this was a rhythm that was established by King so that it was rooted in the church, that the church let out in a very real way on the civil rights movement in the 60s. And and now one of the things that has happened is the church by and large has, has refused to participate, which means that we have turned over, God help us, we have turned over what is our inheritance to dark ideologies. Like when you say, "Hey, we're not going to get involved, let's just preach the gospel to that, which, by the way, I find so hypocritical. You don't just preach the gospel of sex trafficking, you don't just preach the gospel on the issue of life and abortion. No, you act. And so it's why it's like this brain broke disjoint that's got us acting, abs- I mean, absurd, and then critiquing this movement as being evil and dark when we have given up our inheritance. Oh my goodness. So, oh my goodness. Critiquing what movies. As I, being okay. dark when they're
2: witches? They're oh, talking man. about man see, I can't with these pastors, Guys, man. That's are trying to that's... be so woke. <laughs> man, like I just can't, man. I
1: am so sorry. I, I want you know, I I wanna oh man. So I What is the solution? So, okay, well maybe we get to that in part two. But first let's 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 Okay. Mm. Just Let me, let me just do this for a second. Let me just, Lord, I pray that you will grace us in this moment. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will give us the type of integrity that we need to discuss this topic, to not be sensational, um, to truly seek to understand and to be fair and to be gracious toward our brother. Um, And I ask that you would be glorified in this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask these things. Amen. Amen. Okay um it's necessary for me to pray cuz i feel i feel my flesh rising up you know what i mean and there is a there is a frustration that i feel when i hear that because i feel like what pastor matt chandler um doesn't realize that he's saying is that he is already characterizing this into kind of two groups of people here. Right. So it's really the white Christians against the black Christians. So in other words, it it appears to me or it feels like to me in the conversation that there is this big, huge chastisement that is coming from the white brother um, to, to correct the white brothers and sisters who have said things like this, right. Not taken into taken into account that there are black brothers and sisters who are also saying, hold up a second here though. Um, there, there, there are other aspects of this conversation that we need to have. The problem that I have with where I feel like his tone and tenor are, is that it feels to me that there is a presentation of, I am better than you because I have this conviction. I am more, um, Convicted by the word of God. I am bringing the whole of the scriptures to all of my engagement because I'm saying that we can't just call a movement dark and distance ourselves from it when we don't do the same thing on the issue of life. Now, these are apples and oranges because if you show up at a march for life, here's what you're not asked to do you're not asked to make less of Jesus Christ. You're not asked to make your faith secondary to your involvement or your engagement. You are not asked to come under a banner. Black Lives Matter, I wrote about this years ago. Black Lives Matter said that every time they gather, they gather under a specific banner. Okay, they have a clarion call. Most recently, we're discussing that they have already said of themselves that they are trained Marxists. They've already said of themselves that they are working witchcraft as they are calling out the names of the deceased. So we can't point that out and then have someone say, well, hold up a second. This is this and that is that. What are you going to do? It's like, wait, no, but validate what it is that the this is this and the that is that that is that is. All right. We got to grab the break. We'll be right back. Stay there.
0: Never
1: ending, it never runs out of me. Always mending the broken things inside
3: of me. It has covered the secrets that bring me to my knees. Welcome
1: back to Ernie Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Nikki.
2: And I'm Will. And that's uh Christina, Christina Bell, we're going.
1: All right, Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We'll get to phone phone calls here in just a second. We're gonna play the second clip. This is again Pastor Matt Chandler back in June of last year, um, reprimanding the church for not having the same response um, in this moment of social justice um, intensity. Mm-hmm. Uh, not having the same response that the church has on the issue of life. Right. Um, so so we, we, we had the first clip in the last segment. Uh, we're going to pick up with the second clip, talk around it a little bit, um, and then we'll open the phone lines. Here we go. Here's cut
4: two. You, you cannot point out all the flaws in this current movement while you have abandoned the place that we were meant to play. You cannot point out all the, well, this means this, and this believes this, and that's this, and that's this, and, and ignore the sorrow and lament of 12 to 13 million image bearers in our country. You can't do that. We mourn with those who mourn. And yes, there are demonic and evil ideologies at play, but that's where the people of God are meant to run with light and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not to sit back and snipe via social media. I got a little hot there, I apologize. We must grow in the hope that God will heal the wounds of racism and that what we're watching on our TV unfold again will one day cease. Look at me. This is our inheritance. This is mine. This is yours. What you're seeing play out right now in, in violent riot and in and, and murder and in what you're seeing play. that is a robbing of our inheritance. I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to followers of Jesus Christ. It's mine. Bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are to grow in a hope that this is possible.
1: So I reject, I reject the accusation that people running into Louis Vuitton stores and Cheesecake Factory stores and Nike stores and looting those stores is because I didn't show up. I reject that. I I think I think that is I I think that's wrong. And I'm trying to be very careful and very respectful with my words here. Right. I think it is wrong to say that because the church has not showed up, then people are looting and they're dying in the streets when the movement itself is characterized by rebellion against God. This is not even up for debate. Like it would be up for debate if it was never expressly stated. okay? like you could have a conversation around this where you're going, well, we don't know if politically speaking, you know, um, this movement uh, is compatible with where we want to go in the country. And in fact, that was the conversation, the conversation that I kept hearing back in 2015 and I got sick of it. I got sick of people saying, I don't, you know, we don't want to seem racist here, but this whole BLM thing, I mean, it just seems like just liberals just kind of, no, hold on a second, then let's ask a real question, right? And so this is where I jump in the double Dutch rope. I'm like, let's ask a real question. Is it compatible with biblical Christianity? And I did something, and I'm not, this is not, you know, man, I'm, you put the bugle away, but I want to say that at the time that I did this, simply went to the website, to look at their principles, what do they believe? What? That was the basic question, and I was shocked to discover that at the time, no one had done this. No one had asked this question. And then I just start reading their website, and, I, and you know at the time I joked about it, I was like, I did some research. And just read their website back in 2015, and what did I find? I find that what they stand for, what they celebrate when they gather, the banner that they are under is antithetical to the faith. Boom. I write about it. I send it out in the story. I'm over it. I'm over it. This is not me hiding behind. Oh, I think they might believe this. So I don't have to worry about getting involved. No, this is, this is demonic. I'm not aligning with it. So how do you then have, <laughs> how do you then have a call where you're like, Christians need to show up. You've abdicated your role. You need to be out there do, doing, doing what? So like his doing answer what? is
2: show up to these marches, these rallies. If that's and what it participate.
1: sounds like to me. And we'll, we will open the phone lines, will the great. And, and we will find out if our, if our listeners hear that as well. But it sounds to me that pastor Matt Chandler is asking Christians to suspend what they know about this organization and just align because justice work. Just a line because America's history of racism. Just, just be the church, and yeah, you know, there's some issues. This and they have this going on, and there's that, and there's dark, and all this stuff. And and I feel like there's such a tremendous downplay Man, of all on. of it. That I go, have you heard or read any of it, Pastor? Have you heard or read any of it? He
2: must have if he if he talked about. He mentioned it.
1: Yeah, but he mentioned it tacitly. He mentioned it like like you he can't knows just that say, there's this darkness. Is this and. and Okay, no. right. S- so then...
2: <gasps> so. He's heard some of the arguments. He's heard some of the this is this and that is that. So whatever he's heard, I'm sure it's been enough to say, like, we don't need to be a part of this. Now, I'm sure, But I mean, you know, he may not have heard, you know, what A brought out on his show and what we talked about, you know. But at that time, you had enough because they want... They, they had on their website about destroying on, the man. family. Come on. Come but, on. I mean... Look, I believe that this pastor knew that, you know, and that's a, that in itself. That was way more. But that in itself is like, no, we so can't line supposed, up to that.
1: We're supposed to give strength to these numbers, to these people who are operating nope. in rebellion. Strengthening the God. hand I, of the
2: I, enemy. I, no, I can't. I Sorry. just can't.
1: I can't see it. I, you know, we took a kind of a, um, a summary of their website. I'm just going to I'm just going to read this for you. Okay, Um, three reasons why Black Lives Matter is incompatible with biblical Christianity. I I cannot even allow myself to feel a little bit guilty about this, like not even for a second. You know, Um, number one, Black Lives Matter seeks to dismantle the biblical definition of family in their own words. They are, quote, committed to disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. One man married to one woman, by the way, is not a Western prescription for family; it's a biblical one.
2: And didn't did they not take that down after much criticism?
1: Yep, yeah, it was only because it was exposed. Yeah, it was only because it was and exposed. It stayed on there a
2: long time, a long years, years. They
1: champion and celebrate homosexuality. They refer to their organization as "quote unquote" queer affirming, queer affirming. In their <laughs> own words, BLM gathers to quote or BLM gathers with, quote, the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless she, he, or they disclose otherwise, end quote. Wait.
2: Dad giveaway. What? Dad giveaway. You're not supposed to be a part of that.
1: you're, You're saying I'm supposed to suspend my knowledge of this and I'm supposed to feel like You know, well, we show up to say that our country shouldn't murder babies. So, okay, if I show up, if I I'm going to be showing up saying that homosexuality is a sin, I'm going to be showing up saying that a person who is confused about their sexual identity needs restoration. Mm -hmm. They need the help of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I'm going to be welcome there, Pastor. I don't. I don't know that. And and look, let me say something. I am consistent. The the whole like Me Too movement and all of these things. You know, you would think, oh, that's so self serving. It's the it's the it's the moment of the woman, right? It's the hour of the woman. Like here we go. And I'm like, man, this is wicked. Right. Talk this about is, that as well. This is undermining God's design for femaleness, Come on. if you will. You know. And I I am like the pink hats and all of these things and and the you know. So if if we are to go with this message that is coming from pastor Matt, then it would suggest that we also show up in the pink hats because women are abused. But why didn't we align with them? Because their intent is evil. The hatred of men was on fleek. Okay. Like the, (laughs) the despising, come on. Like, and so what I'm saying is we should not align with anything that is antithetical to our faith. There are times, there are times that meant that the body of Christ will work with people toward a good end because it is a good end and it does not attack the faith in so doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right. But when aligning with someone where just your alignment with them is a direct attack on your faith, you are strengthening your own demise. You, why would you do that?
2: Right. What? That makes
1: no sense to Where's me.
2: the discernment? And,
1: you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little hot here because I'm, I'm just <laughs> tired of, I'm tired of people just trying to be blacker than me. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I care more. It's sort of like, here's my hall pass. I'm down with the social justice stuff. I can get amped and the church should be. But look, read it.
5: <laughs>
2: right.
1: Read the information. Right. Listen to what these people are saying in open spaces. We are trained Marxists. We are trained Marxists. You don't have to guess at that. Man, come on, man. So I'm like, okay, you slapped my hand and you got my attention. Then I'm looking for something of substance, though. So now I want to I I take this, pastorally speaking, and I, I want to I hang on this. And, but I can't because I'm going, no, you are calling for the church to align with wickedness. And why? What does this cause us to feel? This causes us to feel like, oh, at least we're going to be seen as consistent. Well, you know what? me is inconsistent because I'm not aligning with this. Right. Do I care that there is injustice? Yes, I care about all injustice. I wrote about this too. (laughs) There are certain kids who die in this country and we can't care about them because of their skin color. There are certain black kids who die in this country and we can't care about them because they're killed by other black kids. Come on now. And you want to, the church needs to show up. Excuse me. How many people have moved into inner city neighborhoods to plant churches and how many of them have been white? Where then black people are like, nah, we trying to get out of the inner city. <laughs> no offense, but let's just be real, Pastor. Yeah. OK, how many people have moved into the inner city context to reach people with the gospel long before people were marching and looting Louis Vuitton stores? Come on. Up. This is, this, this is my lived experience. I know what hood life is like. Let's not downplay the effects of the gospel. It changes people's trajectories. And then let's not demand that the church that Christ preside over, presides over, aligns with this wickedness. When people have been making inroads into the inner city for as long as we can remember. And then let's also, again, man, I cannot stress this enough. Let's also not pretend. Let's not pretend like that. <sighs> there are just certain kids that we care about who are dying in the streets. They have to fit this narrative. You want, I, I'm going to align with Black Lives Matter. I'm going to get out and be involved in the march, and they can't care about the white kid that's killed by the black police officer. Wait, what about the Imago Day? In all of them. What about that? It's not limited to the color of someone's skin. The outrage shouldn't be just over the color of someone's skin. It's injustice. Period. And it's not injustice just because the black kid is killed by the white police officer or the white man. It's injustice. It's brutality. It's wickedness. It's evil. It's sin. And it's sin when the black kid kills the black kid. When the eight-year-old is executed in the alleyway of his apartment complex by his father's rival gang, and we can't show up for that because wrong narrative, (laughs) that too is injustice. And I'm sorry, look, I'm getting a little hot here. (laughs) But I'm sick of this where we have been so guilted into what our responses are supposed to be, we cannot turn to the word of God and find it sufficient. All right, 888-589. 8840, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, I am, to a certain extent, open to conversation about this. I'm open to dialogue, but I will not be guilted into aligning with something that is antithetical to the faith. I have looked into it. I'm not just saying that because oh, it makes me nervous, it makes me anxious. I've looked into it. All right, Will the Great, where do we go first?
2: All right, let's go to Joshua in Georgia. Hi, Joshua.
6: Hey, thanks for taking my call. I tell you what, if this guy thinks that the gospel ain't enough, he's right because it's more than enough. Mm. Amen. <laughs>
2: Come on.
6: Amen. I... More than enough, and I don't know what he's referring to. I don't know what he was asking us to do. But if I tell you what, if he's asked, if he did tell us, I think we would probably reject it. He's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. I think mm. he ain't telling us specifically. He's just right. He's just blabbering. Yeah.
2: I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, it seems it seems to me. Thank you, uh, Joshua. That that's a
1: great point. That he's
2: saying we need to get involved in the you evil know, works that's going on. That's and that's, that
1: is a great point that Joshua just brought up because what he's doing is leaving it up to you to allow whatever guilt you might feel to drive what you're going to do next. Yeah. He doesn't come out and say a line, but he that's leaves true. it open just enough mm-hmm. for you to kind of like, oh, that's kind of what he's saying. But then, but then, but no. That's not exactly what I'm saying, but you can infer, which I think is really dangerous. Yeah.
2: yeah Man, I that's agree. an
1: excellent observation. All right, well, the Great, where do we go next? All
2: right, let's go to Roger in Louisiana. Hi, Roger.
0: Hey, how y'all doing? Uh, big time fan. Uh, make this real quick. I think what they fell to realize we as a church, we're a body within ourselves. We don't need outside groups that don't want us there, don't care Come for on. us there, and are draw the gospel. What he's missing is that. The Great Commission is more than enough. And the problem is a lot of these churches have become country clubs and they have not gotten outside their walls. And racism is a heart issue. It's a sin issue. It's not a legislative issue. And the problem is that they are focusing on trying to change laws when they have laws in place. But if people are wicked, they don't abide by the law because mm-hmm. the Bible said that the law is not for the righteous, it's for the wicked. And what they're failing to realize, if we don't get out of our walls and stop being comfortable in our walls while people are dying around our own sidewalks and by the churches, we have to get out there and we have to give these people hope. We have to give these people the gospel. We have to change our community. Because Roger. if you're on a block for 30, 40 years and if nothing changed,
1: Oh Roger, I hate going. to cut in on Roger. <laughs> we gotta grab the break, brother. You're preaching. We will be right back after this.
3: Can I feel like that?
1: back to Aaron the Addison's on American failing radio I tell you man you know I, I look <laughs> seriously okay I know. I'm know. i not yelling at anybody <laughs> not any one person okay it's the situation yeah that's the it, 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 it that's the situation all right um I'm Mickey.
2: and I'm Will Nelson ambassador with nothing like us
1: <sighs> Sherry V is over in studio CC um we'll go to the phone lines 888-589-8840 888-589-8840
3: will the great where do we go next
2: all right let's go to ruth in texas hi ruth
3: hi there hello hello hi uh mickey uh i love you gal <laughs>
1: <laughs> god bless you ruth
3: what you are saying in the conversations that you are having both my husband and i have been having for the past couple of years we are member members of the village Oh, which wow. The church that uh, pa- Pastor Matt preaches out of. And we have been seeing the decline for the past few years and um, had very heartfelt discussions, a lot of prayer, and uh, we decided that we are going to withdraw our membership from the church because it is time uh, to stop supporting apostate churches' agenda, churches that do not have uh, the faithful shepherds, uh, and that practice a social gospel, which is exactly what this is. Mm
7: mm
3: and so uh it's been hard, you know uh <laughs> seeing the um the pride in the stance, and I'll say it exactly as that because that's exactly what it is wow uh, uh members have spoken about this um loudly, and uh there really has been no change, so it's sad. Mm. really sad. Mm. Ruth, let me just ask
1: you a question while I have you here. See, it's, it's rare that you actually get to have kind of a peek into the situation because I'm looking at this from the outside. It's an, you know, outside respect for, for Matt Chandler and, and the office that he holds as well. My question to you is this, have you observed, as you say, you know, various things going on? Have you observed a preaching that, Would suggest the expectation is that the church is supposed to align with these ideologies that are pervasive in our culture today?
3: Well, if I could, I'll share uh, an experience. We actually felt exactly what this was like. We invited our neighbor, a neighbor um, who is black, who just moved into our neighborhood to the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just so happened that the sermon was on one of the sermons related to uh, white privilege. And um, my husband is white, I am Hispanic, and my neighbor is black. And as the sermon began, uh, I began to feel very uncomfortable with the assertions that were being made against white people as my husband, being white, sat on my right. And I also began to feel very uncomfortable with my black neighbor who was to my left. Mm. <laughs> and as the person in the middle, literally, as, brown, as a brown person, and figuratively, as the symbolism makes of both white and black skin, I felt really offended for both my husband and my neighbor, but more importantly, for, for my church and its leadership.
2: Mm. Mm. Wow. wow.
3: Yeah, and you know, just as a as sermon continued, it, it felt like the underlying message of the position of superiority that my husband should feel guilt of because of his skin color mm. and the position of, the, of the inferiority that my neighbor as a victim of oh. be elevated to a realization of asking for forgiveness from the part of my husband oh. and there's a position of anger and need for retribution from the part of my neighbor and it was just
4: Man. oh it was really my goodness disheartening
3: to be caught in the middle of that and just to feel the uh, the deception of, of the message, um, man. and that's you know, we, yeah. we we feel that it's time,
1: yeah. Oh, wow, that man, wow. Ruth, thank you so much for sharing thank that. You for I call. mean, I think wow. I appreciate it, and I think that just makes the case here. I mean, listen, the gospel is enough, people. The word of God, preached with power and anointing with authority, that is enough, that is sufficient. I cannot help but think. What was the condition? What was the state of this neighbor going to this church and then hearing this kind of social gospel, if you will, message that said by design, just you're created, you're inferior, mm. and 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 the person just a couple people over um, has more, you know, more access than you do. Man. I mean, this is like, Man. where is there space in church? for that and then you think at the end of the sermon like what you know what 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 do you where do you go from there what what of eternity and what of the souls of men
2: that's egregious man like wow (laughs) it it, it really is i'm stunned i'm stunned and that's a person that you know that's not just coming from us that's a caller who experienced that and that's that's egregious it it really is i mean there's no way you can you know slice that that's Mm. but anyway Will the Great, where All do
1: right. we go next? Thank you again, Ruth.
2: All right, let's go to Thomas in Kansas. Hi, Thomas. Hello. Hello. Hello.
5: Thank you. Thank you guys for taking my call. And um, first off, I, I hope that she found a good church to go to. Cause hmm. that, that's just something else. Yeah. The one thing I got about that pastor is he made the comment that Martin Luther King would be on the wrong side, if he was still alive. Mm-hmm. How does he know? Because he would have been right there with the church, presenting what problems there are today.
1: So you know what he was saying, Not- Thomas. Let me let me let me bring some clarity, and then I want to hear your thoughts on this. But here is what I think, um, Pastor Matt Chandler was suggesting. He was saying that we have sort of lionized Martin Luther King Jr. because he's deceased because he's not here and doing any work currently what he what he's trying to say is that we would put him if he was doing justice work today we would put him in the category of being a marxist just like we're doing these other people which i think is an unfair statement to make but i think that's what he was saying does that does that make sense to you
5: yeah i i I still disagree with that i mean i'm i'm Caucasian Mm-hmm. And I'm offended by it <laughs> because, I mean, you can't say this person's going to be this way if, right. if, if you don't know, right? And it's it's just to to put someone in a category and say, well, if they were, it's like saying, well, Jesus Christ was on the wrong side today if he was here today.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's no. Even you're. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying and and I agree. I think it's a leap to say what how we would think about Martin Luther King's work as it um would be unfolding today. But I do think I will say this uh Thomas to to your point, to your observation, I think the work that Martin Luther King was doing was a work that had a measurable outcome. Yeah. There was something that he was actually working toward changing. And what we want to see change today, when we talk about um, disparities and the things that are happening in our in our culture and in our country, we are talking about something that can only take place. And this is what our brother Roger was getting at um, in the last segment. This is something that only takes place at the heart level because the laws have been changed. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So now what we're talking about is that um, you need the gospel. Right. People need to hear the truth Amen. of the gospel so that they see themselves as they really are and then repent. If man does not see himself as he really is, he will not repent. He will not turn from his sin. He will not turn to the sufficiency of the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we say we say to people um, it's but yeah, it's that. But it's also this. Right. No, it's that. It's that. All right. Will the Great, where do we go next?
2: All right. Let's go to Kay in Kansas. Hi, Kay.
7: Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, Mickey, um, I hope I said that right. Mickey, yes. is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I just wanted to let you know uh, that I got my um, Billy Graham and Franklin Graham book just uh, last week. And I read your, uh, The Marriage Mystery. Oh, God bless uh, you. You wrote in. And um, anyway, you got your cute picture. And you really, you're really, really uh, good and sweet in your heart. Hun. Uh, anyway, so I read that. And um, I just, uh, I really liked it. I think you're very, very smart. And my goodness, that ring that was on this page have you seen it? Have you gotten the the book for you to see what you wrote? I Barry did
1: see, <laughs> I did see the article i did i s- and I saw the graphic that they used. Kate, you're so sweet and encouraging. I appreciate you
7: oh well, that's fine i uh I didn't this is my first time, although I've uh called in to. AFR probably over 20 years or so i try <laughs> to listen you know as much as i can and uh so this is really cute i get to see you and so <laughs> the next time you write something like that and it comes in this book uh decision make sure your husband's in and then you could cut it out or i could cut it out and mail it to you <laughs> oh, okay, Kay. Thank you, Kay. I'll do it. thank
1: you so much. That's so sweet. A call. I I would just say for the um for the sake of our listening audience, I wrote an article for Decision Magazine. It's a February article. It's called "The Marriage Mystery." Um, you can look the article up online where I talk about um God's wisdom in mm-hmm. marriage and what He reveals even about the church. So that's what Kay is talking about. Um, thank you, Kay. I appreciate it. Well, the great, where do we go next?
2: Let's go to John in Texas. Hi, John. Hello.
6: I want to compliment you on your message today. It's absolutely great. Um, That preacher, you know, he worships with his lips, but his heart is far from me, says the Lord. You know, I think that you can judge a person by the fruit. You know, his fruit, if he's persuading people to steal, kill, and destroy, it's absolutely the wrong way. You know, I think, like you said, the truth, the gospel. People need to read the scriptures. They need to understand the scriptures again and again and again. I feel a lot of the churches, the people that do go to them, bless their heart, but they necessarily don't read the book.
4: They Mm. don't read the
6: scriptures. They want that guy up on the front to tell them what to do, tell them what to do. And then they go, and they only know one little word, two little sentences, something and they never read the book. They pull it out of context. They don't understand it. They don't have in their spirit, and it's hard for them to live their life without the knowledge of that truth, and they're persuaded to do so many things. And, you know, the division of the black versus white, the rich versus poor, the Mm. left versus, you know, everything that's Mm -hmm. a division, it's all a a big ruse for Mm. the people of God. We're the unity. You know, I am that white boy in the black neighborhood you know I grew up among all those guys I saw and they told me and they talked to me they be my friends mm-hmm. that are black and they say oh you know your dad hooked you up man man, I ran away from home <laughs> you know what I mean they didn't hook <laughs> me up we live next door to each other there's no difference <laughs> no, they, they, they were my friends you know, mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of things went on but the, the point you know to me I love everybody. You know, one thing, you know, I read the Hadith and the Quran, and I read the Buddha's writings and the Indian and the Baha'i Brit. And then I always looked at the Bible, and I can look up in the world, and I say, that's the truth. And that's Mm -hmm. why I came to believe it, because it was the truth that I saw. Man,
1: glory to God.
6: And, you know, so that's why I think that if you read and understand the Scriptures and one, Like my Muslim neighbor, I saved his brother's life when he got shot. He, we're like family now. And we talk, uh, I said, you know, with the Muslim, the uh, Islamic faith, it's not love one another. And I told him that. I said, how, why do I believe Jesus? Because love one another. There is no better message. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anytime I see division, people saying this or this, you know, we should help. We should educate. Mm-hmm. We should do something to better
2: everyone all the time
1: john thank you so much i appreciate you calling in i appreciate your testimony too let's try to squeeze in one more call will the great
2: all right uh dina in ohio hi dina
8: oh my goodness hello i love you guys i can't even tell you thank you for everything you do and i'm so glad uh you came onto the radio a few years ago and to the family of afr off of urban so thank you i have a question are you familiar with the book beyond color by sarah shen
1: Mm, no I'm not one. familiar with that book
8: okay well let me ask you a question um, I'm going to a church that is starting to fall off the edge I so identified with your first caller like it's just been such a great church I've been going there for I don't know 23 years maybe mm-hmm. uh, and they've just <laughs> they're, they're leaning left and it's very painful I've been talking to a few of my friends there a lot of us are like what are we going to do so mm. we're one of our small group is um, decided to read this book we're a co-ed group excuse me we're um, Multi race. My church has about 127 uh, um, in there, so we have quite a few people. Uh, so we have quite a few women of colors in my small group, mm-hmm. and, and I'm reading. We're reading, so we're going to go tomorrow night. So I'm afraid I'm going to blow these people up. They're going to kick me out. Mm-hmm. So in this one space, they say um, Elizabeth, who was white, was leading university. Um, And she experienced powerful forgiveness as her black and Asian colleagues prayed forgiveness and blessing over her and her people. Something changed for Elizabeth in hearing that she was made precious as a white woman, as our society tends to view white culture as blank or defined by white privilege only, and that she -hmm. was forgiven for what whiteness has historically represented in the past. Oh, Oh, Dina, I I only got 15 seconds. Dina, you
1: got to call me back tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, you got to call back tomorrow. I I, I can't do it. You got to (laughs) call me back tomorrow. But, boy, I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay, until tomorrow, Lord willing.
2: God bless.